when did that start to being a thing? Because when they were little, they used to come wake us up about 5 o'clock, tell us it's time. Now we got to go get her out of bed. So, uh, But uh, at 1030 tomorrow, we will have a devotional. I think it's around 30 minutes long or so, but um, it's something that w- was on our hearts and we wanted to share with you. And um, if I do say so myself, it's worth watching. So uh, try to try to tune in tomorrow. I know that, I know uh, with everything that's happening, it'll be a little bit difficult. And let me also take a moment to say, since it's our last service together in 2022, that uh, I, my wife and I and my family are very touched by your generosity toward us here at Christmas. Um, I know times are tough and uh, a lot of people are struggling, but you guys uh, always show us so much love and appreciation. Uh, it's difficult to ex- express what that means to us. Um, so we just want you to know that, that we do take notice and we obviously don't get to every one of you. Some of you and I will go weeks without even laying eyes on each other just the way we pass around. This building's large and there's a lot of entryways. And you go out one door and I come in another one. And so just let me say how much we, we genuinely appreciate you and we do love you. We're thankful that God has placed us together for such a time as this. Um, and it's, it's, it's only going to be getting better while at the same time getting tougher. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. I'm not going to keep you very long. I'm going, to, um, I'm going to preach a message that is titled, Take Jesus With You. This is our last sermon, uh, the last time we're going to be together for this new year. And usually we have a New Year's Eve service where we bring in the new year. But the fact that it falls on Saturday next week, we, we wanted to have our regular Sunday morning worship service. So uh, we weren't going to try to stay here till midnight and then come back at 1030 on Sunday. Uh, so uh, I want to preach a message that is kind of like a, a, a closing of the door to Christmas, even though Christmas is tomorrow, and opening the door to a new season. Uh, we're going to talk about wrapping it up, <laughs> uh, pun intended, uh, and, and how to take Jesus with you. Uh, because it's been a few years, actually. A lot, a lot went on at Promise of Victory. If you're not a long-time uh, a tender of promise of victory. If, if you just showed up here in this building and, and you don't really know our history, a lot happened at promise of victory to, that got us here, that got us in this building, in this environment. A lot happened for several years. There was, there was just a lot that brought us to this moment. And, and years ago, when we were in that tiny little room, it, seems, it seemed big when I, when I first went there because the first church I pastored was about half the size of that building. Uh, but now that we've been here for a couple of years, that room, I don't know how we did everything we did in that room. Uh, it, it, it was a lot smaller than what I remembered it when I went back and did a wedding there not long ago. Um, but a lot happened. And one of the things that used to happen on a regular basis was at the end of a, a year, beginning a new year, God would give me a word for the church. And that word was something that he would build on all year long. And it was kind of the theme. And we ended up building our sermon series around that word, and it just kept coming back and coming back, and it was always prophetic. And, and in that, I mean, uh, as I gave it out, people did not realize how much they would have to cling to it throughout the year, how it would get them through hard times, but it was also prophetic in the sense that it told them when tough times was coming. And so I'm not going to reveal that word to you. It's going to come later on uh, in, in the month of January, maybe even February. But what I, am going to, what I am going to share with you now is that God has definitively given me a new direction uh, for promise of victory. When I say things happened, one of the things that happened is we gained a whole lot of people that did not have a lot of spiritual background. 
They didn't have a lot of biblical upbringing. So they came into the fellowship, and, and I've tried to preach where they were. I felt like that's what I was mandated to do. I, I didn't want to preach beneath some of you, but I certainly did not want to preach above the new ones. And now I feel like God is opening up the door to a season where there's going to be some very specific things we're going to deal with for a long time. I've never preached the way that I'm feeling like I'm going to preach this coming season because there's, this, there's two stories in the Bible. I'm not going to talk about them tonight. There's two stories in the Bible that I just feel like for the first four to five months I'm just going to, I'm just going to go over and over and over because those two stories reveal where you are. And I've never felt quite the way I feel right now to where every sermon is just going to keep reflecting back to those same two individuals and those same two stories. But, but God has told me that there's some things coming in your life that you don't, you're not ready for. You're not expecting them. Uh, and at the same time, uh, it's time for us to walk in freedom. And it's time for us to, to see the things that we are promised in this book, but we haven't been experiencing them uh, on the level that I feel like the Holy Spirit is ready to let us in on. Some things that you don't know that are going to attack you, but at the same time, God is going to raise up a standard against all of the enemies that are coming against you. And the word that God has hidden in my heart and, and is going to be giving to you uh, is going to be the preparation that you need for the things that you are facing. So, so the, the reason I bring this up is because this is kind of like wrapping up the season of where we've been and opening the door to where we're going. And I know that it's Christmas Eve and we're supposed to have this light-hearted kind of a, a, a snowball fight kind of a message. But I, I really feel in my spirit that, that this, is, this is the way that we're supposed to present the gospel to you tonight. How That we're, we're, we're going from where we've been in this season, which was necessary for the multitudes to get to a place where they felt comfortable coming to church. They felt comfortable being in the presence of this man, Jesus. But now that we're entering a new season, and it's not just a calendar page. If you've been with me for any time at all, you know I don't believe that God moves because December closes and January opens. He's not limited to a flip of a page on a calendar. That's not, God works in other ways, in other dimensions, and His seasons are not like our seasons. However, I do believe that God is closing the door to one thing, and He's opening the door to something else. And what He wanted me to tell you tonight is it is imperative that where you're going, you take Jesus with you. That there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of brokenness and a lot of confusion and a lot of chaos that has been the last several three years of your existence. And those things are not going to end per se, but where he's taking you to, you don't need to bring them. You don't necessarily need to bring a 12-step. You don't necessarily need to bring a book or a lesson or a seminar. But you better remember to bring Jesus where you're headed because that is the key to you experiencing the freedom that God wants you to walk in. So if you'll allow me tonight, I'm going to share some uh, scriptures with you. I'm going to begin with Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. And of course, this is during the, the time of Jesus' Birth, And the Bible says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother. Say, take Jesus with you. Uh -huh. 
Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. God is calling Joseph to take Jesus and Mary and go to a new place. Enter a new situation. And God's going to be doing that for a lot of you this coming season. It may not begin with January 1. It may not begin with you making New Year's resolutions. It, it may not begin with you graduating from school or, or getting that new job. Or, it may not begin with any of those things. But trust me when I tell you that some point during this next season, some of you are going to be beginning a new situation. And what God wanted me to tell you is that before you go, you need to make up your mind to take Jesus with you. That, that there's a lot of things that you can afford to forget and leave where they are. As a matter of fact, I'll be the only person in here tonight to tell you on a Christmas night uh, where everything's supposed to be full of hope and joy. There's a lot of stuff that's happened this last season I would love to leave laying where it's at. That I don't want to see it in the next season. I don't want to see it wind up where I'm headed to. As a matter of fact, it would feel liberating and free if I could just know that when I get there, this stuff ain't going to be there with me. I would shout hallelujah. And, 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 in, and in order for us to do that, we're going to have to make up our mind now before we leave our season, before we enter the new season, that I'm going to take Jesus with me. We're about to kick off a whole new Year And I, I really feel like that this year is ordained as a year of transformation. The word that God has given me and hidden in my spirit and the concentration that He has put on me in the Gospel of Mark and the book of Exodus is telling me that there's some transformation that's coming. And some of you are going to grab hold of this thing. I mean, some of you are going to have your family turned upside down because of what God is going to liberate in you. That, that some of you are going to have a whole new thirst and appreciation for Him. I, I can't wait. As a matter of fact, He told me uh, two months ago, and I've already shared this with our leadership team, He told me to invest in two things this, this coming year. One is our leadership, and the other is training you in prayer. And, and so I'm going to invest first in my leadership in prayer, we're going to have uh, some things that we're going to begin in January praying for you. And, and then we're going to have some things throughout the year where I'm going to have some training about prayer for you. For you to accompany us, for you to get invested in, for you to learn how to do things that you've never experienced before. Because I really feel like this year is a year of transformation. It's not going to be like just every other year where uh, everything is, it, it feels the same and you get to the end of the year saying, my God, how did I survive that again? That some of you probably will just barely skate through another year and, and you'll come back if Jesus doesn't come to collect his own between now and then. And you will say, oh, I'm glad the year is over. But I don't want all of you walking into that. I want some of you to kick the door into the next year saying, devil, where are you at? You've had my stuff long enough and I have come to collect some stuff that you have stole from me. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so, so, so we, have, we have hunkered down and we have, we, we, we have licked our wounds and, and we, have, we have surveyed the landscape hoping that the virus doesn't come back and hope that the political scene lays down and hope that our neighbor don't hate on us and our social media doesn't uh, uh, cancel us and we, we have just kind of hunkered down for a long enough and it's time for the church to arise and, and to start snatching some stuff back in the spirit realm because we have hidden long enough. Do you, do you hear me? But in order for you to get there, you're going to have to make up your mind to take Jesus 
with you. Now I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some things because uh, God specifically told me to tell you that some of you have been distant and this next season is your season to get close. He told me that some of you have been living with just enough word to not starve to death. And this coming season, He wants you to dive deep. He, he told me to share with you that some of you have struggling marriages. And by the end of this next season, He's going to see them thrive. I feel in my spirit that some of you have been wondering your whole life about how to handle money and God says in this next season that He's going to so bless you because of your faithfulness to His kingdom that you are going to see miracles in your finances that you've never seen before because of your wise management of your resources. He's also told me that some of you are going to finally, after many, many years, have the curse of anger and bitterness broken off of your life. And you're going to walk in freedom that you did not know existed. This is the things that God's going to do in this next season. So church, grab hold of these promises because some of them are for you. And you need to, you need to, be, you need to be with eager anticipation saying, I can't miss church this Sunday. i got to get there because some of that stuff Pastor said is the stuff I've been asking for. So, so you, you need to make up your mind now. I'm going into that season. I'm going to get the promise of victory. I'm going to hear these words. I'm going to be prayed up and expecting, but I'm going to bring Jesus with me. Amen. Look at your, knee, look at your neighbor and just tell them, don't forget Jesus. <laughs> yeah, don't forget Jesus. We're going to experience a season of healthy, mature growth. This, this is what he's been pouring into my spirit. See, there's five primary purposes that God has for your life. Did you know that? He, he doesn't have, uh, you don't have to memorize 66 books of the Bible to know what God wants to do for you. He really only has five primary purposes. First of all, he wants you to be committed to the mission of his kingdom. But secondly, he wants you to serve people and serve with other people. Thirdly, he wants you to be committed to his family. Fourthly, he wants you to worship and enjoy him. Oh, I can't say that enough. Because many of, most of us worship Him, but we feel so far away from Him, we've never learned to enjoy Him. And in this season, I feel like some of the chains that have been holding you into addiction and holding you into depression and holding you into indecisiveness, the chains have never been broken because you don't enjoy being in the presence of God. But we're going to cancel all that. We're going to stop all that. We're going to liberate you from all that because your Father the delights in you and he wants you in his presence and in his presence there is no evil or shadow of turning so when you get in the presence of your father all that mess has to stay away from you so remember to take Jesus so the chaos can't go and the fifth thing is he wants you to grow and become spiritually mature with the mind of Christ those are the five primary things that he wants for you through his word he doesn't expect you to memorize the tenets and the Apostles' Creed and, and, the, and, and the what's going to happen with eschatology. We got so called up 20 years ago in the church wanting to talk about what's coming. And I used to teach it. Listen, I spent three years every day studying Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation. I can talk to you for hours about eschatology, about the coming of Jesus Christ. I can talk to you about all the different theories, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. I know them all. 
Whether you're post-millennial, a-millennial, I know them all. I know all the theories. I know all the backgrounds. I know all the supports. I know all the supporting scriptures that people use. I could talk about it for hours. But the problem is we got so caught up with that stuff in the church, we forgot to live for him today. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm waiting to hear a trumpet sound. And I'm waiting for him to snatch his own up. But until then, he doesn't want me living miserably. He doesn't want me living in bondage. He doesn't want me feeling like I can't smile and have freedom while I'm here. Until my master comes, let me rejoice in his presence. Let me know that he is mine and I am his. And he has greater than what I have experienced. Amen. So there's one way that I'm, you're going to hear this a lot from me. And those of you that's been with me for a long time, <laughs> you're going to recognize something. Because he's taken me back to where we've been so we can go somewhere we've not yet traveled. Because there's one thing that's going to liberate you. And it happens to me, my probably most preached passage in the entirety of Scripture. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's the least you can do is to give Him all you have. It's just the least you can do. It, you don't, it, he, all He wants is all you got. Amen. And, 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 and then He tells you how it's going to happen. And man, we're going we're gonna to really dive deep into this on Sunday mornings in about, uh, in about six weeks. We're going to really dive deep into this because then He tells you how to do that very thing. He says... And don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of this six-inch piece of property between your ears. Some of you got, Galant got her cute hat on tonight, but this thing's supposed to be more than just a hat rack. You're supposed to be trying to renew it to have the thoughts that Jesus wants you to have. As a matter of fact, let me give you another translation because you've heard that preached out of my mouth so much, you become numb to it. Let me share it with you out of the New Living Translations. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, he says, do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Why? Because they don't work. They don't work. Do you want to know why the world's in such a shape it's in? Because the systems and the customs of this world don't work. They will, they will chase each other around the same mountain and end up in the same place they started. So he said, don't copy their systems. Where they're going this way, we need to learn how to go that way because we need the mind of Christ. And it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So every Sunday before you walk into this church in the coming season, I'm going to be praying, God, just erase their memory banks. Just hit delete, 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 delete when they come in the room because you got to change the way you think. Some of your stinking thinking is why you are where you are. Some of your stinking thinking is why your marriage is the way it is. It's not because God don't love you. It's not because the devil is attacking you. Some of you just live too much inside this cranium of yours and you can't let go the way you think. And God says, it's time for you to delete the memory bank so I can download to you a whole new way of thinking so I can change the way you live. So when we follow Jesus, when we take Jesus with us, we enter into a continual state of change. And I don't want you to... 
I don't want you to raise your hand, but when's the last time, when's the last time you let the Lord change something in you? When's the last time you let the Lord rebuke you to the point where you said, I ain't doing that no more? When's the last time you felt so convicted over a decision that you deleted a number out your phone? That, that you closed an account? That you, that you put blocks on your laptop? That you found an accountability partner because you said, I can't do this anymore. See, if you're going to go and take Jesus with you, you have to understand He has a mission. And that mission is transformation. And, and you are going to continually... Listen, I've been doing this for a long time. Not as long as some of you, but a lot longer than a lot of you. I've been serving the Lord a long time. And just like the song when we were in children's church says, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took Him just a week to make the moon and the stars, but He ain't finished with me yet. It's taking Him a whole lot longer to get me where I am, and I'm still not where I need to be. So, so he is going to be showing us how to change our thinking through a word that you love, especially in January. The word is discipline. Mm. Doesn't it, it, that's like sweet like honey in your mouth, ain't it? Oh, we love the word discipline. And, and listen, discipline doesn't have to be miserable. Can I help you? D discipline does not have to live uh, it, it make you feel like you're going to live a miserable, hard life. Because discipline is what leads us into an easier life and a lighter yoke. You don't believe me? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Is that anybody in this room? I know it's Christmas Eve and everybody's supposed to be smiling and joyful, but you can smile and still be weary. Yeah, you, you can put on a face for the kids and, and, and really be enjoying the moment, but still be under a heavy burden. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I will give you a spa day. See, some of y'all, that's what y'all think y'all need. Hey, here's what some of y'all think he says. And I will give you a Florida vacation. Because you think that's what you need. And I will give you a maid to clean your house. Because you, you think that's what you need. But the rest he wants to provide for you is more than you taking a siesta with your feet up. This is an inside rest for an inside tired. See, anybody that works hard for a living, you get tired from going to work. You get physically exhausted, mentally worn out, and you need a break to get away from that so you can decompress and have a vacation. That ain't the rest he's talking about. The rest he's talking about is the one that most of us hides and don't discuss. Because I can be going hard on the outside, but be exhausted on the inside. And he's trying to give you a rest 
that rejuvenates the inside. So even when the outside gets worn down, you feel bold as a lion on the inside of you and say, I know my Redeemer lives and I will see Him on the day. I don't know what the devil has against me, but this is the one thing I know. When the spirit of the enemy comes against me like a flood, there's something inside of me that will raise up a standard against him and I have nothing to fear. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. And if God be for me, who cares who comes against me? This is the promise that I stand on. Because I've got something on the inside of me that is energized, revitalized. And this is what God has told me you have been missing in this last season that he is going to give you in this season. And if you don't want to wait till January to grab a hold of that, why don't you say yes, Lord, right now? Let me tell you what Jesus was doing here. I'll get out of your way in a few moments. But let me just share what Jesus was doing. He was talking to people who understood agriculture. And so when he said, I will give you rest, here's what he says. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. This is more than Jesus giving you a two-week vacation at the beach. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and I will give you rest for what? What? Yeah, see this is more about resting the soul. Then rest in the feet. And I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give to you. Stop right there. I don't want to make y'all upset with baby Jesus in the manger on Christmas Eve. But did you just catch that the Bible said Jesus will give you burden? Oh, uh-uh, not my Jesus. He's a, he's a way maker and a, and a burden lifter. Yeah, he is. But he's also got a burden that he will put you under because he wants to teach you. He was talking to people who understood agriculture. Most of you city slickers don't understand what he was talking about, so let me help you. When he talked about yoke... A yoke was an apparatus that they used on oxen and and cattle in those days. And here's the way that they would do it. They would attach two oxen to do the same job. But they would not be equal. One would be more mature. The other would be younger. One would be stronger. The other would be weaker. That way, the weaker one would learn how to do it from somebody who already did it. So when Jesus tells you that I'm going to put my yoke on you, but my yoke is easy, here's what he's saying. If you will walk with me, if you will take me with you into your next season, if you won't leave me where you found me, if you won't leave me at church on Sunday, but take me into your marriage, take me into your relationship, take me to work with you, if where you're heading to, if you don't forget to take me, I will teach you how to get through that mess. You think it's going to kill you, but you haven't walked with me yet. You thought it was going to destroy you, but I'm going to teach you something you didn't know. You thought this thing was so hard that you weren't going to be able to get over it. But he said, my yoke will teach you because I've already been there and come out victorious on the other side. Death couldn't hold me. The grave couldn't keep me. And I came back from the dead to tell you that I can show you a better way if you will learn from me. I can show you a better way. You're struggling. Let me teach you. You're living in chaos. Let me teach you. Your heart's broke. Let me teach you. I'm older. I'm more mature. I'm stronger. Quit yoking up with the mess and the chaos of the world. 
and yoke yourself up with me and I will teach you how to handle it. This, this, is, this, is, this is what he is wanting you to experience in this next season. Can I tell you, life is hard. I mean by default. You don't have to make it hard. Oh, you do. You contributed to your mess. You delinquent you. You've you've created a lot of the chaos in your own life. You have been your own worst enemy sometimes. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about Christmas time. When I was 10 years old, I got up on Christmas morning and I smelled smoke in the house. Because, you know, 10-year-olds beat mom and dad up. And I beat them up and I smelled smoke. And we had a coal stove uh, throughout the house, and so I was used to smelling smoke, but usually only after they had, you know, stoked the fire. I smelled smoke when it wasn't supposed to be smoking. And I went and woke my mom up, and sure enough, the chimney had caught on fire. So on Christmas morning, when I was 10 years old, we had abandoned the house and go to some friend's house because the fire department had to come put our house out. Our house caught on fire on Christmas Day. That's when I was 10. I get to church tonight on Christmas Eve, and my office has flooded. Hey, we're just making Christmas memories here, folks. Because it's funny that I can't remember four of the presents I got the whole time I was growing up. But I have never forgot the smell of that smoke. I've never forgot on Christmas morning our house caught on fire. I don't remember all them presents I got. I remember the year my mom let me open batteries. I remember that. I remember that I got to open one present on Christmas Eve. Only one. And one year she bought me a a toy that required batteries. And she thought it was funny to wrap C batteries up as a gift. Like that was some part of my Christmas. And the present I opened on Christmas Eve was some Duracells. That's fun. I remember that present. I remember our house catching on fire, and I'll probably never forget the Christmas Eve that I came to church, and my office was flooded and frozen at the same time. I don't know how you can manage to flood and freeze at the same time, but I've got, a, I got stalactites of ice growing up in my window, and the carpet is all wet. So uh, I'll probably never... Have you ever noticed how easier it is for you to remember the tough stuff and forget the blessings? Have you ever noticed how the tough things, the hard things, the things that go off the rails, the problems that develop, those are the things that find permanent residence. And the things that were a blessing, that were good, that were your promise that you walk in, those things seem to and escape your memory. That's because we think like the world. God wants to change the way you think. This is good. This is good. This was worth your price of admission. And we didn't even take up an offering. He wants to change the way you think. Because what we have been relying on our whole lives has been what we have learned from our experiences. And he wants us to have the mind of Christ where we don't rely on our experience. But we rely on his experience. Yoke yourself up with me and I will teach you. 
See, you don't know how you're going to handle this season that's coming uh, where, where, where you've got addiction in your family. You don't know how to handle this season that's coming where somebody you love and care about is going through divorce. You, you don't know how to handle this next season where you're going to file bankruptcy. You don't know how to handle this next season where you're 55 and they lay you off and you don't know where you're going to get another job. You don't know how to handle this next season. That's why he said, if you'll yoke up with me, I already know how to get you through what you are going through. But I want to teach you to think like me instead of the th- thought that you have always depended on. You don't have the experience, but I do. And He doesn't want you to walk through life exhausted, feeling terminal. That's why he says, when you go, take me with you. Some of us are so concerned about what we're going to get somebody for Christmas. You, you picked out the perfect gift. You hope they like it. You're waiting on that, that, that instant gratification to see them smile and say thank you. And, but all that, as, in, as important as it feels in a moment, it'll be gone in a day or two. But the one thing you cannot afford to leave behind is the presence of Christ in your life. Because He is going to teach you how to handle what is coming against you. I cannot implore you enough to begin right now. Tonight, this season. I know it's a busy couple of days. And then you got New Year's coming next week. Begin right now preparing the soil of your, of your heart and your mind. To say, God, whatever it is that you want to teach me, I want to learn. I, and, and by the way... There's some people in this Christmas story that I want to show you um, that's going to teach you a couple of things about what he wants to train you for. First of all, the Bible says Mary and Joseph showed up at an inn and the innkeeper said, business is good. I don't have room for Jesus. Oh, you didn't hear it that way, did you? You heard there was no room for him in the inn. Why wasn't there any room? Because it was full. And when you own a hotel and it's full, business is good. And what he was saying was, I am so blessed right now. I don't have room for Jesus. So you need to be on guard that you don't snatch your blessings And forget where they come from. Because some of us have been praying for breakthrough and miracle and transformation and and this blessing and that blessing for so long that when they finally show up and we grab hold of them, we run away from Jesus and no longer have room for Jesus. Even though it was Jesus that provided the blessing in the first place. Well, that was the innkeeper. How about Herod? A few weeks ago during Christmas at the movies, I shared with you that Herod, his biggest problem was he could not receive the new king because he liked being king. Some of you, some of you are going to have a hard time taking Jesus into your new situation because you're a control freak. And you want to manage every area of your existence. And how's that working out for you? What's your cholesterol again? 
How many blood pressure medications are you on currently? How's, how's management of your existence and the center of your universe working out for you? Herod? No, you have to take another king with you and let him be in charge, my God in heaven. Let him become the king of your life. See, a lot of people like to leave baby Jesus in the manger. We don't like full-grown man Jesus walking beside of us. Because when full-grown Jesus shows up, he starts rearranging the aspects of your life. He starts telling you stuff like, you're thinking wrong, change that. You're doing wrong, change that. You're not pleasing me, change that. And we don't like, we like little baby Jesus in the manger. We like to take little baby Jesus with us because baby Jesus don't talk. But we don't like full grown Jesus because he bosses us around. But can I tell you, you're going to need Jesus in this next season. But he's not going if he can't tell you where to go and how to get there. He's not letting you drive. He's seen some of you drive and he don't trust you. That bumper sticker that used to go around a few years ago, Jesus is, or God is my co-pilot, dumbest thing I ever saw. God is not riding shotgun with you. He has seen your driving skills. There is no way he is sitting over there. I won't even ride with you. If you can't let Jesus boss you around, convict you, rebuke you, correct you, he's not going with you. The third person I want to bring your attention to in this story are the Bible scholars. King Herod called together the leaders of the church. And they quoted, he said, where will I find this king? This king of the Jews who's supposed to be born. And they quoted Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. And they said, in a little town called Bethlehem. Do you know that they were only three miles away? Three miles. The wise men traveled 18 months to get to Jesus, at least. The scholars of Scripture... Were three miles away. They knew when he was supposed to be born. They knew where he was supposed to be born. And they didn't go worship. Can I tell you that you can become so full of the written word. That you forget to look for the living word. So, so, so when I tell you that he wants you to learn of him, I'm not telling some of you to go join a seminary. I'm not telling you that you need to start taking online Bible classes. And I'm certainly not telling you that you should quit your job so you can stay home and read and pray over your Bible for eight hours a day. Because you can memorize scripture and live as carnal as the day is long. You can memorize scripture and be lost. And more importantly, according to this story, you can know where to find God but forget to look for him and refuse to worship when you know he's there. So don't get me wrong. You should learn the scriptures. You should study the word. But the written word should always provoke you to look for the living word so that he can train you how to get through your situation. He's not trying to get you more religious. He's trying to get you into a relationship. Take Jesus with you. I didn't tell you take King James with you. Take Jesus with you. The fourth person that I want to 
talk about is you. He said, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're broken, if you're down, if you're beat, if you're depressed, come to me. And I will give you rest. Just, just come to me. Don't, don't, don't leave me out. Do, do you know how many of your problems have existed for far too long because you tried to fix them and you left him out? I'm not saying you don't love him. I'm not saying that, that, that you're an atheist. I, I, I'm not saying that you... I, I'm just saying that most of us at some point, we know what the Word says. We're, we're like the scholars. We, we know where to find him. We come to church on Sundays. We're, we try to be obedient, so we pay our tithes and we pray. And, but like Herod, we like to be in charge. We don't like to step aside and let King Jesus teach us how to handle our weariness. See, some of you think that you need to learn what the four faces of the beast is. Let all that go. Can I, can I please, please, can I, don't hear what I'm not saying. I want you to study the word, but we get so trapped in stuff that don't matter. I can talk to you for hours about the identity of the Antichrist because I thought at one time it mattered. I spent three years devoted to it. I have taught through Revelation in our church for 12 months every Wednesday night for a whole calendar year I taught Revelation. I can talk about it for hours, but do you ever see me preach about it? No, why? Because it really doesn't matter as much as you learning how to let him show you his rest. Because you can learn all those facts about the end times and then miss the trumpet when it goes off. Because you don't even know what you're looking for. Because you've never been in his presence long enough to know when he calls your name. So it's my job to get your eyes focused back on what's important. And in this season, what's going to be important for some of you is for you to let him teach you how to handle your tired. Take Jesus with you. Are you weary? Bring Jesus. Are you worn out? Are you discouraged? Are you fighting depression? Do you not know which way to turn? He wants you to know. Bring me with you. This is the last time I'm going to get to address you. I, I, yeah, we have an online devotion in the morning. But this is the last time that I, get to dep- that I get to address you for this year. And I, I just want to plant, I just want to plant this seed in you. Because over and over and over again, you're going to hear about this little boy in Mark. And you're going to hear about Exodus 33 and Moses. And you're, over and over and over again, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to see yourself What I want you to do is make up your mind now that every promise in that book is yours. That 
that he did not save you for heaven. He saved you for kingdom, which is happening right now. So he doesn't want you to, I'm just a tired old pilgrim walking through this land. That sounds good in a testimony, but it sounds terrible to somebody who needs Jesus and they see that you've been with him for 30 years and you still wore out. We need to give hope to a lost and dying world. But before we can do that, we have to find hope ourselves. So tonight is Christmas Eve, and I'm going to get out of your way. I've preached too long already on Christmas Eve. But I want you to know that when he walks with you, he does it with a purpose. And that purpose is to transform who you are into who he wants you to be. And what has stopped it from happening up to this point is your enemy right here. I remember that fire. I can still smell the smoke. I don't remember what my kids got me for Christmas last year. I was 10 years old. That was almost 40 years ago. I can still smile because the hard times, the difficult times, the worst times, we lean on those. Could it be that some of you are so sad right now because you can't see the blessing that's standing in front of you because sad things have happened, bad things have happened, and that's all your mind can grab hold of? Some of you aren't enjoying Christmas this year because it's not like the Christmases. Of old, you got to learn how to change your thinking because you're weary. You hear me? I know you're going to work 60 hours next week, but that's not what I ask you. you. You tired on the inside, and that's what he came to change. Can I pray a prayer of blessing over you before we leave tonight? Father, I don't always know how to find rest. I'm learning this myself, but one thing I do know is when people get tired on the inside. I have achieved a master's level experience with this. I know when I look into people that I can see that their souls are tired and the last several years have taken their toll over your people. But God, it is time for your church to come alive again. To find the rest in our souls that will rejuvenate and recharge us to the point where people will want what we have. So I speak encouragement over your people right now. I, I speak right now a smile to develop on their lips that while they experience Christmas in whatever form Christmas looks like this year that they are going to experience it with joy because even though the kids aren't home and even though they have went through a difficult uh, separation and even though they don't live uh, and their mama's not alive anymore they have you with them they are yoked up to you and you are teaching them how to enjoy this season in their life. I speak encouragement, I speak deliverance, and I speak blessing over their life because God, I believe your people deserve to 
celebrate your birth. We know that this is not accurate. We know that it's not exactly the day you were born, but it's the day that we celebrate the greatest gift that we have ever received, and your people deserve to enjoy what you have done. So I speak right now that bondages come off of people, that their spirits will not be heavy, that your Holy Ghost will empower them and endue them right now with the sweet deliverance that makes them smile again as they find the joy of their salvation all over, brand new. Do it right now as I speak in Jesus' holy name. And his people said, Amen. You'll find rest. Do you need rest? Like, like do, you, do you need rest? Because I'm going to tell you something. You, you've never, you've never, I've never preached like I'm going to be preaching in the next. Like it's, it's going to be like one continual sermon every Sunday. You know, I'm used to coming up here and every week it's a new thought and a new, it's not going to be like that. Not for the foreseeable future. It's going to be like one sermon and we'll just quit when we get to the end of one week. And then we'll just pick it back up. And it's, that, that's, that's, he is so deliberate with what he is doing for you. In this next season. He is so precise. Like I'm all the way up into February all the way already. Because when I start writing the sermon, I'm like, this is six hours long. And like, I'm long-winded, but come on. But yet it's one sermon. It's just a continuation. It's the same story. So, so you've never heard me preach like this before. Because I've never, I've, I've always just came up here and gave you one thing. And the next week it'll be something else. And the next week it'll be something else. And this is going to be like one continual flow. Just week after week after week training you. Because he wants to teach you not to be weary. I believe it's possible. I do. Listen, I believe it is possible. That by the end of this next season, some of you have your greatest pleasure in Him. Notice I did not say that you have your greatest pleasure in your spouse or, or, that, or in your job or in the house you live in. Because He said, delight yourself in me. And what happens is when you find how to delight yourself in Him, all that other stuff doesn't matter as much anymore. So you are rejuvenated and you do find more pleasure in those things because you're not thinking like the world anymore you've got the mind of Christ that you're operating in so we're going to learn how to delight ourselves in him he loves you that's the message of Christmas he came so you and him could be reconciled together my God what a gift he didn't have to do that Somebody's going to give you a gift this Christmas. You're like, well, you shouldn't have spent that. You ain't any idea what God spent on you. He spent more on you than anybody ever could, ever would. And he did it before you were ever here. His greatest joy is seeing you lay down your old and come into his new. But he says, don't forget Jesus. Because he's not just giving you, this season's not going to be about him just gifting you. Because you can seek his hand and forget his face. 
what he's wanting you to do in this next season is don't leave Jesus out because once you learn how to delight yourself in Jesus, you'll find real freedom and real liberty and you'll wake up every day saying, yes, Lord, I find my pleasure in you. If that sounds good to anybody, why don't you just take a few minutes, bow your head right where you are and say, Lord, I, I, believe, I believe this next season is going to be my greatest season. Will you start prophesying over yourself? Stop letting the lies of the enemy tell you that you're crippled and that you're, you're paralyzed and that you're depressed. and, and that you're, would, would you just start right now before we ever get into this next season just to say, I believe, I believe my, my best season is ahead of me. I believe that you are going to bring me into a new relationship with you that is greater than I've ever experienced before. I'm claiming this for myself, for my family, for my marriage, for my children, for my ministry, for, for my relationship with the church. It's going to be greater than it's ever been before. Will you just start doing that? Just start speaking over yourself. Speak over your family. If you're with your significant other or you're with your children, just grab a hold of their hand maybe and just start prophesying over them. I know you're tired. But he'll give you rest.
promise of victory. Merry, Merry Christmas. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday.